This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Hello, everyone. Paul Cochran here, Making Finances Easier. Uh, we're at 865-770-5031. If you have uh, questions or you'd like us to address uh, situations in your financial situation, by all means, give us a call. Um, if it's on the weekend, we won't answer, but you can uh, leave a message and we will get back to you. Um, our company is called Providence Advisors Group. I'm joined here this morning with Garrett Crawford. Good morning, Garrett. Hey, good morning. Ready to go. Yeah, so I have a question here. We're, we're firmly into January. So um, what do you think about New Year's resolutions? And 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 kind of as a, uh, a second to that is, do you have one? <laughs> uh, you know, what's good about this question is that I, you know, I'm coming up on my 10th year here at Providence and I know exactly what your answer to this question is going to be. And, uh, I, uh, I agree with it. And so I, uh, I'll let, I'll let Paul share what I think he's going to share. Um, but at the same time, uh, growing up, we were, our family was never really into, uh, new year's resolutions. In fact, uh, I don't I really don't think it was until I came to college at UT when you know people started talking about my New Year's resolutions uh, so maybe I grew up in a, in a different part of the country but uh, you know I actually I did have some New Year's resolutions I was thinking about uh, you know trying to, to run some significant mileage but I'm kind of more in body recovery mode at this point and uh, just trying to kind of get stronger and do some weightlifting. So I, I really don't have anything on my list right now. Uh, but, you know, maybe that'll change. What about you, Paul? Well, I, 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 I'm not sure what you think I'm going to say. Um, but so if, if I don't, then you just uh, chime in and maybe you can tell me what yeah, you thought I was going to sure. say. But, um, but in general, uh, I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, of, of resolutions, and um, uh, and part of the reason is, uh, and and again, this is kind of getting behind the curtain, and it might not interest uh, many of you, but um, grace has made a huge difference uh, in my life, and and so, so what that means is is I want my motivation, you know, the why behind I'm doing the right thing or the why behind I would be avoiding the bad thing. Um, for me, uh, personally, it's all based on, gosh, what, what Christ has done for me. And so if he has done, um, if, if, based on everything he's done for me, um, you know, there's a, an accounting term that they used in the Greek. It was a tetelestai, and it just means it is finished. That he he has finished. He has he has taken care of everything I need, and so um, 
my self-worth isn't based on how well I'm keeping some resolution. Because a lot of times when I meet, particularly with young guys, uh, like I just had breakfast this morning with a couple guys, and we were just talking about the temptation. Well, how you do it? And it's based on how well they're keeping their resolutions. Mm-hmm. And that's not a usually a healthy thing. And so... Um, you know, so I, I'm active. I do a lot of things. I, I, you know, I do have things that I like to do. I, my two main physical activities are swimming and cycling. Um, so they're, you know, things, short-term things that I like to accomplish. But if I couldn't do any of those things tomorrow, those aren't my, uh, you know, where my value lies. Was that what you thought I was going to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 yes. Uh, what I've heard you say in the past, too, is just, the, you know, the pressure of having resolutions on January 1, and they've got to yeah. be done by December 31st. Yeah. Boy, I've, I, you know, as a, as a dad and a spouse, I've, I've got all kinds of uh, <laughs> real pressures, let alone yeah. me adding bricks to my backpack. Yeah. i got to be at a certain place at a certain time later this year and be a better version of myself. Yeah. Uh, that, that can be relentlessly exhausting. And actually, really, it ties into what we're uh, talking about in some ways this morning, because anytime you address finances, people have issues of, um, you know, maybe they're ashamed of what they've done or they feel guilty about maybe something they've done with their finances. Maybe they just feel guilty. They don't want to talk to a financial advisor because they feel like they haven't paid attention like they should or whatever. And uh, I know part of the fun that we have is you're really trying to set people free from that, that being able to have um, people, you know, like us to come alongside, not condemn them, but to walk them through, hey, here are some positive next steps that can really make a difference in the long run. And, um, you know, our goal is, as I've said many times, is helping people see things more clearly than they otherwise would had we not been there. And uh, that really applies today because part of what we're going into here is Secure Act 2.0. And uh, there's a lot of nuance in here, and people keep asking. In fact, one of the appointments yesterday, the guy said, and hey, didn't my RMD age change again? And we said, yep, it did. He went from, uh, it changed from 70 and a half to 72, and then with this Secure Act 2.0, it changed to age 73 for him. Um, <clears throat> but today specifically, um, I was hoping you could uh, drill down into a little bit about these spousal rules related to RMD options. Can you frame that for us? Yeah, sure. It, you know, it's not the not the most fun topic probably to listen to as you're, you know, riding around Saturday afternoon listening to this, but uh, the topic of the day is still very important. We advisors and financial planners in our industry are going to uh, face it, at, you know, all the time, and that's this idea of uh, post-death RMD distributions, RMD standing for required minimum distributions from investment accounts that we leave behind. So let me let me just jump in. So that means I own an IRA and it's either going to go to my spouse or it's going to go to one of my children or it's going to go to a trust or, or you know somewhere and different rules apply to each one of those. 
Correct. And it's important to understand those rules in advance so somebody else, uh, probate courts, don't decide how that money gets distributed and uh, less money goes to those people that you care about because the proper planning wasn't done up front. But yes, Paul, uh, those money, the money that you leave behind likely will go to a spouse, a children, a charity or something. So if you own, I don't care what your age is, if you own a, a Roth or if you own an IRA, this applies to you. Correct. And so uh, I, I thought I'd just spend a couple minutes talking about the way things were just a couple weeks ago before the SECURE Act 2.0 was signed into law. And uh, basically, let's, let's use the kind of common example of a husband and wife, uh, married couple. Uh, there are other situations out there. We just can't cover them all in a 20-25 minute segment. But uh, let's take a married couple, and you know, their uh, one spouse dies. And let's let's say it's the husband. Uh, on an average case, husband is older than a spouse, uh, and so when they die, they have an IRA. And we had a couple clients in the past couple years die, and we've we've walked all through this. But the remaining spouse has has a decision to make, and it's usually based on their age at the time their spouse dies. They can either uh, just take all that IRA money that was in their uh, husband's IRA account, and they can assume that IRA account, meaning... It becomes theirs, just yeah. like it was theirs all along. We, we, we write up a little letter to TD Ameritrade along with a death certificate, and they transfer that IRA money into her IRA, and all that money becomes hers to do what she wants to with. Uh, the second option is if a client of ours had a spouse that died and let's say she was younger than 59 and a half and needed access to that money, instead of assuming that IRA, she might rather be a beneficiary of that IRA and kind of title it as an inherited IRA. So it's a way for her to get access to funds before that age 59 and a half where she'd have to pay 10% penalty. So, um, you know, oftentimes. And, and real quick on that scenario, and this is in the not 2.0, this is in the previous Secure Act. In that scenario, her RMDs would be based on her life expectancy. Correct. Uh, and it wouldn't kick in until she turned 73 or 75 now based on the year that she was born, if she inherited it. Uh, correct. Uh, the uh, Actually, I take that back. If she assumed the IRA, that's how it correct. would kick but in. But if she inherited it, she would start taking the RMDs at her current age. Let's say she's 55. Correct. But it would be based on her life expectancy at 55. Correct. And that's that, that's where the devil is in the details and all this. And really, the you know, I can kind of jump to the end here. Uh, the, the Congress, the IRS are adding even more layers of rules here with how to get money from a retirement account from a spouse that's died that you you just need to make sure you're under, you understand all the different options available to you because you may pick one that uh, 10 years down the road you're going to be upset that you did. And uh, a lot of money could be lost to RMDs earlier than expected. So this is one of the, let's say you're 45 years old and you're listening to this. Um, part of what we are big advocates of is that you have your your financial, we call it the big four, your, your uh, will, 
your power of attorney healthcare, power of attorney financial, and your living will kind of all buttoned up. And you need to make sure that you understand these rules that Garrett's talking about here because they need to coincide with your will. So so you explained what it was before 2.0. Now, how did 2.0? Well, I had one more thing. Before, okay. I, before I get to 2.0, the other one is if you aren't a spouse. And that's where, if you've listened to our radio show in the past or you've read something about these, this 10-year distribution rule, if you're not a spouse, you have to inherit that IRA, you don't just get to put it into your IRA account, and then you've got a 10-year distribution period. I had a friend recently whose mom died. He's in his 30s. He has to put that money from his mom's IRA into an inherited IRA and has to have that distributed within the next 10 years. So he's still working. That's all taxable income. So uh, transitioning to today, January 2023, uh, for non-spouses, everything's still the same. So if, if you're inheriting IRA money from uh, someone that is not your spouse, you're going to have 10 years to distribute that account. And you mentioned it just a second ago, Paul, but Roth IRAs, if, you're, if your non-spouse parents had a Roth that you inherited, you still have to take RMDs and have that distributed within 10 years. There's just no taxes. Correct. Uh what did change, and I say what did change, it actually won't go into effect until 2024, but the laws did just change, and it gave one more additional option to a spouse that hasn't been possible before. Uh, we had just said the way things are now is that if a spouse dies, you could assume that IRA and the RMDs would be based on your life expectancy. The new rule that has changed is that you could inherit an IRA from your spouse or assume that IRA and the RMD would be based on their life expectancy. Well, give uh, us an example where that would be advantageous. Uh, so let's say Tom is 65, Jane is 70. They're married and Tom dies. So Tom is younger than Jane. Uh, before the laws change under the old SECURE Act, Jane's probably going to assume Tom's IRA money, put it all in her account, and because her RMD age is now 373, when in three years when she turns 73, she's got to start taking uh, RMDs based on her life expectancy, and her life expectancy is sh uh, shorter than Tom, so those RMDs are going to be bigger. Now... Again, Tom is 65, he dies, Jane is 70. Jane has the option to elect her uh, IRA to be treated as Tom. And if Tom was 65 and his RMD doesn't start until 75 because of the Secure Act 2.0 rules, she doesn't have to take RMDs for another 10 years until she's 80. So, so someone's going to ask, is it, is, it an, is it an inherited IRA for Jane? Uh, it is a uh, you get to treat the IRA as an RMD amount based on uh, Tom's life expectancy. So uh, I've, I've got to figure figure that part out. Some yeah. of the stuff is still being fleshed out, but uh, the fact of the matter is, and what's important to know is that in a, a case where the younger spouse dies the starting date of an RMD could be significant. So there's a five-age difference here. Under the new rule, Jane gets to wait maybe 10 years 
until she starts RMD versus just three years gotcha. based on her 70 age. And so where this is going to come into play is every time at least one of our clients, married couple clients dies, we're going to have to go through and determine, okay, what is your age? What was their age? When would your RMDs begin? When would your husband's RMDs have began? When do you need income? Right. Uh, Every single time we're going to have to go yep. through and do yep. that. So yep. uh, unless you know all the rules, you're not going to know when or the best way to assume the IRA or the best way to treat the IRA funds that you're inheriting. Uh, so I'm going to go from memory here, but I'm, um, it, correct me if I'm wrong. On the Secure Act 2.0, if you were born uh, 1954 or earlier, you're... Uh, required minimum distribution um, begins still at age 72. If you're born uh, between uh, 1955 and 1959, then your RMD age is 73. If you're born from 1960 and after, your RMD age is now 75. How close am I? Real close, except that middle one. So anybody that's born less than 1951, no changes. Okay. So 72. Okay. 51 gotcha. to 59, your RMD age is now 73. And then 1960, it's been pushed back to 75. Gotcha. You know, some people might be asking, why are they pushing these RMD ages back? What's the reasoning? And, you know, it could be that, you know, like a lot of our clients, Paul, they're living longer, they're working longer. And, uh, you know, we have to keep kind of moving that goalpost back for the age that they have to take money out of their retirement accounts. But I really think behind the curtains uh, with that new SECURE Act 10-year distribution rule for non-spouses, I really don't think Congress really cares that much because at some point, uh, it's probably going to be a 20-year window when somebody has an IRA. It could go to a spouse, but then it's shortly after that spouse dies, it's going to go to a child or somebody that's not a spouse, and that's when that <clears throat> 10-year clock is going to start. And so I think we're going to see more and more of this. I don't know if RMDs will be eliminated altogether for a, for a remaining spouse, but I don't think Congress really cares that much or the IRS cares that much anymore, even though we need to follow the rules and we need to pay attention to the rules. That 10-year window that a non-spouse has to distribute an account from a retirement account so they can't get the goodies of a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, uh, I think is driving some of these RNBs being pushed back later and later. You know, it's possible that, uh, like you alluded to, that they might eliminate the RMD and just say, hey, the, RM, the, the IRA has to be paid out in five years, say. Um, I wouldn't be surprised it, just to simplify everything because they – they that there's this uh, growing tax liability in all these IRAs, and they know they're going to get it eventually. Uh, and with that Secure Act, the original Secure Act, they're going to get it sooner rather than later. Yeah, and so I've got this flowchart I was looking at, and uh, the the things that are going to influence what direction we recommend to our clients is going to be under the new rules 2.0. Is the beneficiary of the IRA, this is for a spouse, are they 59 and a half or older? Because we have penalties before 59 and a half. We uh, don't have penalties on the other side. And then we're going to have to ask the question, are beneficiaries younger 
than the spouse that just died. Mm-hmm. So not not all women are younger than their yep. uh, male counterparts. Yep. Uh, the other one would be has had the decedent or the the spouse that just died had they reached their RMD age yep. before they died. Good. And then the last one is the beneficiary, the spouse that's still living. Are they more concerned with penalty-free access to those IRA funds uh, more so than having to take RMDs? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking at one of these flowcharts, and it looked like based on how somebody answers that question, mm. there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different recommendations for yeah. how they they transfer those IRA uh, funds. So. Uh, if, if this is making you uh, kind of dizzy, makingfinanceseasier.com, 865-770-5031. If you have questions about RMDs or, or you want a second opinion to look at your overall picture to see how are you allocated given this new 2023 year and, and how might some of these rules apply to you, by all means, give us a call. Yeah, and that's where I would say, and we mentioned it last week on our show, uh, that delaying RMDs, that, you know, that sounds good. None of us want to have to be forced to take money out of our IRAs. But if we if we delay these RMDs too long, uh, you're going to end up, you, you could end up with a situation where you pay more in tax at the later stages of your life than all those years you were deferring RMDs. And so... Uh, you know, it, it, these rules, they come out at such a pace now, or it seems like they're coming out at such a pace. It's even tricky for me to uh, remember how much RMDs have changed over the past two years. Uh, I, I can't imagine how your average person that has a job and life going on keeps track of this. But I, I do think there's value uh, in, the, in the services that we provide our client that we're helping them figure that out. But there's an even higher level of service, I think, where it comes into uh, tax planning and making sure we're getting money out of IRAs and lower income years so that we don't pay more money on that growing uh, tax-deferred investment account. Uh, and then we're also thinking about the next generation and the kids and what tax brackets they're in. And uh, what could uh, the other one, I haven't mentioned it yet, but it's a huge deal. Is when you have a married couple, you're filing your taxes, married filing jointly. Mm, When a spouse dies, the very next year, they're going to go to individual Mm. uh, single filing tax brackets. And so if you you die early, there could be a lot of years where a spouse ends up in a a higher tax bracket, and it makes some of these issues of Roth conversions and not delaying RMDs, uh, not the... Roth IRA or Roth conversions can be a great idea and not delaying RMDs can be a great idea, even if you don't have to. If you're married, you ought to just uh, pull up um, the tax brackets for 2023 and look at the married filing jointly versus individual. And I'd also say if you ha- this could be uh, something you haven't thought about, but Medicare premiums are means-adjusted, meaning that you, if you make more money, you have to pay more money. And also compare and contrast uh, the income thresholds that a single person has to pay more for Medicare versus a married filing jointly. Mm. And I can't remember. Actually, I have that number uh, here. At over 97000 for an individual person. Uh their Medicare premiums are going to start to increase rapidly if where it's 194,000 for a married couple. So 
that's a whole lot. We could keep going, Paul, but... Uh, uh, super helpful, Garrett. 865-770-5031. We'd love to hear from you. It's good to be with you again, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis and Providence Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.